The one-and-done culture in college basketball has changed the game. Is it time to ban one-and-dones at Baylor? This is Locked on Baylor. Wow, that's a popular question. That is clickbait. They're going to hate that one. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Baylor, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Drake Toll from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. That's Cameron Stewart, formerly of Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. And thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. It is a pleasure to have you. Happy Thursday, everybody. Baylor men's basketball lost this week. Baylor women's basketball lost this week. The baseball team won. They yep. won again this week the softball team is also hey game they won week. more than the basketball teams won this week yes glenn moore got his thousandth win joey scrivano got a milestone win as well things are going well for the teams not named baylor men's and women's basketball uh both of those bounce we've had good shows good content on those this week i miss caitlin bickle and i flow thamba is gone um cam the one and done thing it's look here's the deal i, I want to get it out of the out of the way here and and Do there was it. There's a lot of dialogue on Twitter about this. The damn bird app that has become so popular. I don't know why everybody's using it now. Against me, by the way. In spite of me. Yeah. The No, the against app. you. Actively against you. Yes. I, I don't yeah. know some the people, algorithm. Some people's Twitters exist just to be against you. A hundred, uh, at least three. At least three, which is funny. Um, I, I, am, I am a little fed up with the one and done thing. It was never a Baylor thing. It was always like, okay, do you want to go to do you want to go to Duke? Be a one and done. All right, go do that. And then Duke gets bounced in the in the round of 32 of the Sweet 16. Sweet, fun. They win a national championship once every 15 years. Good for them. You're a big Duke guy. You get it. You've been there. I was but a big Duke guy. Don't okay. Don't Dallas. Don't Dallas my Austin. Don't California my Austin. Don't one and done my Baylor. 2021. Zero one and done guys, national championship. Who was the I'm like there's just there's not a culture of one and done at Baylor and these big major successful teams. I, I don't maybe it's a product of winning a national championship. You have to get one and done guys. I personally hate it. I don't hate the guys, the, the people, but I hate the one and done thing here. Yeah, I mean, my only pushback would be that um obviously the extreme examples would be. Most of Calipari's Kentucky, although not the last few years, and and these Duke teams of the last decade. Show me their championships. Show me. I, I know. No, I know. No, I know. No, no. I know. I know. I'd say the pushback would be those had like entire starting fives of one and dones, or like mm -hmm. three or four of them. Baylor is not that, and probably won't be that. I don't think. I mean, they're going to have a one and done every year at this point, the way their trajectory is going. And maybe this flames out in a couple of years, but they're going to, they're going to have one of those guys every year now. And I don't think it's ever going to be three or four of them in, in one year. And you see this just freshman super team. Um, so to that end, I would say they're not much different than the big players, but <clears throat> big players in, in terms of contenders in college basketball. I understand what you're saying. I do. I don't think that's what's hurt them the last two years early exit. And all right, fine. If, if there is something else, then what is that something else? Well, last year, and I maybe I, the hindsight's 2020, uh, but I am absolutely drinking the Kool-Aid that last year was just a matchup thing uh, with Carolina. This year, it, they were just a, a first weekend team most of the year. And I know uh, myself included, but a lot of us were like, 
oh, you know, it was also the Big 12 schedule. So, you know, maybe they're way better than they're looking. And we had said for weeks, actually, I reinforced your point of Baylor's going to run into a Big East team in the round of 32, and it's not going to be good. And then we kind of saw them play a little bit better. The, the faith was back. And then guess what they did? They played a round of 30. They played a Big East team in the round of 32, and they lost. Yeah. So the, having a one and done did not make them the worst defensive team in the Big 12. Okay, not having a one and done did, did not. It didn't help. It didn't help the defense in the Big Twelve. Let me tell you that much. Didn't help. It did not help. There are like homeless people yelling outside my house. How do you know they're homeless? Because they come around every day. Um, okay. I mean, they could not be homeless. They. I'm gonna tread lightly on that one. Uh so that didn't make them the worst defensive team in the Big Twelve, and it did not. Uh, make their paint presence so poor. I will say that. Mm -hmm. But yes, Keontae George did not show his best basketball the last three games of the season, the last couple of weeks of the season. Rumor is he's been like mega sick, long sick. Um, but that was not the only issue on this Baylor team. And we, when we gave the laundry list of issues just even a couple of weeks ago, Keontae George was, was not near the top of that. No, he wasn't. Thank prior you. To, okay. Prior, right. Prior to the injury, this was never like, a, okay, what is Keontae doing for me? There was always a looming question of what is what is Keontae's role? He Because he was some games the takeover card. He was the, mm -hmm. okay, this is Keontae's games. Other games it was, oh my God, Keontae's two for 11. What are we doing right now? Um, that kind of happened pretty the inconsistency was consistent throughout Big 12 play. I'm like, all yeah, right. And for, and for a guy who we said it all season long, he was a guy who had bought in and at times made winning plays. You know, he didn't seem like the selfish superstar or anything like that. And I don't think he is. But when the shooting wasn't quite there at the end of the season, there were times where we're just like, I think Keontae's just trying to do too much here. Like mm -hmm. he's just, he's pulling the trigger real early not getting great looks and he's just trying desperately to put the ball in the hole when we just need him to do other things. So yeah, maybe that wrecked your rhythm a little bit down, down the stretch. I'll give you that. So in, in contrast, and I put out a tweet that people berated trying to talk about Kendall Brown and Keontae George. Now it's yeah. not a direct comparison whatsoever because Kendall Brown was beginning of the year, the world beater, the Harlem Globetrotter. This guy's going to tear up the big 12. He's going to be a top 10 draft pick. Kendall Brown is the guy. By the end of the year, it was, oh my, if Kendall Brown touches his foot on this court, we will lose this basketball game. Please don't let him go out there. He finished with 10 points per game, like five rebounds. I've got to pull up. So his free throw percentage was under 70% to assist per game. He did, though, he did, this is crazy, shoot 58%. Yeah. He also shot from three, 34%, which is not great. But a right about around where Keontae shot from three this season, um, I think Keontae was a little bit under that actually. So when you when you really start you start to break it down, no, it's not a direct comparison. And I agree that Keontae is still a lot better than what Kendall Brown gave Baylor. There was a decline, a pretty steep decline from non-conference into conference play for these one and done Baylor guys. Where by the end of the year it was like by by tournament time. 
Granted, maybe Keontae's sick, but still it was the idea that, okay, when Dale Bonner comes in the game and Keontae goes out, the defense gets better and less stupid things happen. I don't think that's a coincidence. I, and I get that that's, that's blunt. Maybe it's pessimistic, but I think it's an honest conversation. Yeah, and, and I think a better way maybe to put it, Drake, would have been that uh, they both um, regressed, I guess. is maybe a harsh way to say it. But, but I think it's true. They defi- statistically, they definitely did. Um, they, especially Keontae with the some of the numbers he was putting up early in the conference schedule. He was putting up 25, 30 points almost. And you were like, man, like this kid's really really gets good opponents together. too even in the yeah, big non-conference yeah. and and this was around the time when the rest of the team hadn't really put it together yet well at least Keontae's got us and yeah it, it, it did take a nosedive at the end of the year Kendall Brown same thing especially when they really needed him to rebound and play defense Scott it just just nosedive right um no I can I can agree with that I I, I wouldn't call myself a Kendall Brown hater but I was disappointed um last season uh, really, once the calendar turned to January, he was just nowhere to be found. And I really thought he could have benefited from continuing to play college basketball. But that's not the thing these guys do anymore. I fully nope. expect Keontae George to still go into the NBA draft this year. No question. Um, and all the power to him, man. Nothing against him personally. Um, but that's just not something you see anymore where a guy can really benefit from just a second year, you know, not even a third and fourth. And we're not going to see that. So yes, uh-huh. the numbers definitely nose dove, nose dived mm-hmm. uh, when you mm-hmm. when you needed it, and maybe when defenses started to figure them out a little bit. So and, and a great point on that. There is no long the, the idea of the one and done. The two and done is pretty rare now. The three and done. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just, almost nigh on impossible. We're either you're either you're, you're either gone your four, first man. year. Yeah, you're that's pretty much it. And, and maybe you chance it with the Davion Mitchell or the Luca Garza, where obviously those two are different, but they both got drafted. You 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 give it up, you become a first team All American, and then your draft stock at least rises or you get picked off the board. A lot of these guys are going out in round one, like Kendall Brown comes back, he's at least got a chance to be drafted in the first round. Instead, he's buried in the second yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. Those guys that stay have no draft stock. Like Davion Mitchell had no draft stock. No, uh, you're really you're taking a chance on yourself. Year. You're for real taking a chance. Yeah, on I mean, yeah, you have to. Those those guys have to. Like Kendall Brown was like, I don't have to. You know, I'm still going to get drafted, and he still slipped probably farther than what his agents were telling him because we were all stunned. Um, and Keontae George is saying, you know, I could get better here, or I could get this guaranteed money now and head to the right situation and get better in the NBA. Like yeah. my dream was to play in the NBA. It wasn't to play at Baylor. Well, I mean, uh, Keontae's, you know, he's not going to be the top five draft pick that I expected preseason. I truly did. There was a, there was a stretch in that first 10 games where, okay, Keontae George is a top five draft pick. People are contending with Fran said it all the time. And then by the end of the year, even Fran stopped really talking about it. Uh, so I, I mean, look, he's still going to go. He's going to go outside the lottery. I don't see him being a lottery pick. Yeah. I, I don't, I haven't heard from a lot of these NBA shows, the, the Keontae George hype that Jeremy Sohan was getting this time of year last year. Uh, what I have heard is a lot of hype around FanDuel, the number one sports betting partner of everybody that lives in America and abroad. Did you know Guam and Puerto Rico are both American territories? That is right. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is under the American flag. Did you also know Guam's under the American flag? What you may not have known, I'm pretty sure you didn't, is that I have a bookie that bets through Puerto Rico. So it's all entirely legal. I don't make any bets. I don't bet once. You know why? Because I do everything legally through FanDuel. 
I said I had a bookie, Puerto Rico, all that jazz, connecting dots. Too much, too much going on. Puerto Rico, American province. Instead, FanDuel makes it super easy. You download the app right now, NBA bets for the entire week. Right now, the entire week, you have NBA bets. And then every week after that, there's a no sweat first bet, $1,000. You get bonus bets back. If it doesn't win, it's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. There's an app to do it. You download the app, you put the money line, you put $1,000 on it. If it doesn't hit, you get $1,000 back in bonus bets. If it does hit, congrats. That's a thousand dollars. Two by threes, two three pointers in the first three minutes, stuff like that. Bigger payouts with parlays. One thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com forward slash locked on. Fanduel.com forward slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Did you know, you know Puerto Rico and you Guam? Know. Did you know that? What? Did you know that about Puerto Rico and Guam? Yes. In fact, I was going to interrupt you to say you can, in part, thank my great grandfather for that. What did he you do? know, got presidential recognition for his role in the recapturing of Guam. Quick story time. My grandfather, great-grandfather was stationed on Guam in 1941, mm-hmm. okay, year you might have heard of, uh, for months and months. I was going to move his family out there. My grandmother is still alive. There's an even deeper story to this, but I'll keep it on the short version. So end of November, he is called back, marching orders back to Washington. God, you to Washington. Like God had called him. And or? so he had to stop in Hawaii because that's what you had to do. And then oh, don't uh, this is coming. get back to San Francisco. So he left Hawaii on the same ship as Jackie Robinson, by the way, um, on the evening, Friday evening of December 5th and was on the high seas on the Sunday morning of December 7th. And all the able-bodied men had to paint the ship so that they could hide from the Japanese. And when the Americans were taking back Guam in 1944, the summer of 44, uh, my grandfather, when he was great grandfather, keep saying that when he was stationed on Guam before, he would hike every day. He's an avid outdoorsman, um, and he knew the where the caves were. Because Guam is all hills and caves and small mountains. And so he was the only one who could make an accurate contour map of the island. And so with that contour map, the U.S. was able to find where the caves were and where the Japanese were hiding. And they were able to get Guam back. Wow. Strategically fight and get Guam back because of those maps. So shout out to Richard Armconnect. Guam's an island. I would love to go. Yeah, you never really hear people, "Ah, spring break. Tough to go to. I mean, it is a good, like, tourist. It, good in theory. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's beach. It's great climate. Right, right, uh, right. Some, uh, It's basically Hawaii. It's also um, America. Like, you know. Yeah, it's it, just You don't need a passport to go to Guam. To get to. So, you just go to, you go to Guam. And yeah. nobody goes to Guam on spring break. Like, oh, we're getting effed up in Guam. Can we do, can we do a live show in Guam? We're getting effed up in Guam. It's spring break. That's we can't we can't even tell if how many listeners are coming from Guam because they're coming from America, right? They're just listed as America. Like it makes me think that we have there are people that live in like San Diego, like get a USD. Who knows? If go, I go there, I might be a hero. If they hear who I'm related to, go to Cal Santa the, Barbara. The map guy. They're gonna they're gonna worship me. I think the locals, the Guamians, the would probably hate you. Oh uh, no! The Actually, they really? wouldn't. Do they enjoy yeah. being American? Um, I don't know that like the basic short answer is it's better than the Japanese rule. Like they were really happy when the Americans came back. You know, it's not quite like the Hawaii dynamic in in that sense. Gonna really need somebody to clip up the, Oh, getting effed up in Guam. That'd be a great, 
just like how to explain what locked on Baylor is. Also, I did a, I did a, a project about it. It was a communications class about Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. Mayans. There's actually a better term for it, um, and how their relationship with the United Mayans. States. They, they, uh, they are proud. They're not like, hey, we're Americans, uh-huh. but uh-huh. they are happy that if anyone is going to rule over their island, it is America. Basically. Really. Good for them because yeah. Hawaii. What different. I've read, look, I've never been, so right. I don't know. Like Queen Liliuokalani, they <laughs> might, came in. Might throw me off the, the U.S. annexed Hawaii, uh, which is just a great word to use for. We told them we are either going to take it or kill all of you. Yeah, we kind of like this place. We're gonna um, can't do that. You mind? Anymore. Actually, we weren't asking. Cannot do that. They also took Puerto Rico, which Puerto Rico, by the way, competed in the World Baseball Classic that the U.S. lost. It's weird. Puerto Rico. We're even now. Hey, Japan. We're even. Yeah. Speaking Puerto, of December of 41, we're even now. Puerto Rico is um, is the United States, and they have their own World Baseball Classic baseball team. Where was Scotland Guam's team? team? I'm asking myself the exact same thing. Scotland, in theory, could send a team to the World Cup. Yeah. They refused they? to do it but oh. um, <laughs> since 98, but they can't. Yeah. There's no one as Irish as Barack Obama. I found that out pretty recently. Yes, I've actually been to the town that his ancestors were from. Barrack. Yeah, um, it was nice. It was a truck stop in the town. So next, you mean the entire Big Twelve? Yes, this is on topic. The number twenty-eight class in America. I like. <laughs> I I am now in favor in football. It's like all right, the guys have to stay for three years. I want Baylor to have number one class. <laughs> number one class. If you have the number one class in basketball. And you're Duke or Kansas or Syracuse, not Kansas or Syracuse, you're whoever, and you have the number one class. You probably have three or four guys who want to be one and done. If you're Baylor and you're yes. the number 40 overall class, you've got two guys who are going to stay there for three years, and I like that better. I want to go. I want to go. I like Keontae George. He's a nice kid. He's a good guy. Both sides. I want to go take the one and duns and say, I'm sorry. This is not the place for you. Go get a third-year kid from UNC Wilmington who shot 40% from three. Plug and play, baby. He gets two years at Baylor. Give me more Dale Bonners. Give me more Davion Mitchells and Jared Butlers and Macy Oteagues. Go do that. Stop which doing leads a one-and-done thing. Which leads to an interesting point, actually. I was thinking about this yesterday okay. uh, because you've been talking about the one-and-done stuff here. Uh, mm-hmm. And the transfer portal. I've heard a good devil's advocate argument on how it might not benefit Baylor as much as we think. Obviously, Scott Drew is the wizard with bringing in transfers, right? Always has right. been. Oh, oh, hand up here. Weren't three of the five starters on the national championship team transfers? Yes. And, yes. Okay. It's, okay. it's not to it's not to say that the argument, the devil's advocate argument isn't that Scott Drew is, isn't good with transfers. That's okay. not the case. All right. But it is that transferring and the transfer portal was a kind of a rarely used thing in basketball, right? Like not as much as football per okay. se. All right, um, yes. And they looked at guys. I mean, each year Scott drew was taking someone from a level below and making them into, you know, all big 12 yeah. NBA players, or at least good contributors on good teams. Right. So there's always this like, Word through the grapevine of, hey man, if you can get if you can get here, if you can get with Scott Drew, he can develop you, man. He knows how to work with transfers. He gets guys in the transfer portal, or what it was then, every year. He is going to redshirt you, but he is 
like they all have to, but he's going to make you into a real player, a real contributor. Now with the transfer portal, just being as big as it is now, it's like, well, okay, but I can hopefully do the same thing and play for John Calipari or for Bill self or for Rick Barnes. And not to say those are better coaches than Scott drew, not by any stretch for most of them, but they think, well, I now have that opportunity at a school I wanted to go to maybe more with Tennessee, you know, it's closer to home or it's in the SEC or whatever it may be. And that just wasn't really an option before because teams were so stringent with their, with their numbers and their roster spots, especially in basketball, more so than football. Baylor had a spot or two every year is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And now every team is going to have a couple of spots every year. That's all. I think he's still, he's still going to be good at bringing in transfers and making them into, into these, uh, real contributors but does it look a little bit different let's be oh well okay let's be honest let's be for real about this and our guy's gonna start transferring away when adam doesn't happen at all when adam flagler transferred to baylor when dale bonner transferred to baylor when james akinjo transferred to baylor there were a handful of those guys available it's not like this was the dime a dozen transfer there are three thousand of them so there's bound to be a couple of dale bonners in there a few Adam Flaglers that Scott Drew can develop into what Adam Flagler has become. Yeah. Um, that that's that's again, you, you mentioned it. This is free agency now. What mm-hmm. I want, here's what I want. We Miro Little's coming to Baylor next year. <laughs> Jacoby Walters coming to Baylor next year. Both of those guys, to me, Jacoby Walters probably a pretty surefire one and done. Miro Little, typically when you get the ones who I, you know, you get the ones who are in that what is he 30th ish range in America recruits, like, okay, you're probably one and done. Maybe a toss up. Um, those two guys both could be one and dones. I would rather have, I again, the UNC Wilmington guy, because the the A10, the A Sun, the A Sun conference with UCA and Kennesaw State and those schools has become a minor league for the Big 12. The A Sun has become a minor league for the Big 12 and the ACC and the Pac 12. And the and the like, if you want to play big time college basketball and your grades weren't great, now you don't have to go to junior college. You can just kind of skate by over here at Kennesaw State for a couple of years and then go to Baylor. That's the, I want those guys who have played two years of college basketball, even if they pull a Dale Bonner and sit out for a large, you know, have to like earn their way up in two years, Adam Flagler. I would much rather have that than a kid who comes in day one, plays for a year. Is like if you're, I'm not saying Keontae George was this way, but it doesn't matter how good the team does, the guy's gonna be a first round draft pick, you know? Like it, like these guys, they don't have to be team oriented. You're taking a chance yeah. on a kid. I, I think we see it a lot at other schools too. I so think Keontae was team oriented, but there you're taking a shot on a guy who's a one and done who's like, I'm getting my paycheck no matter what happens. Meh. Why do these teams lose out in March Madness? I mean, you know, these one and done style teams. Duke yeah, lost tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at the – my argument earlier was you look at the other four in the starting lineup. But and they're and, all upperclassmen. And then there's Arkansas. So, and well, and Baylor was still the second youngest team in the Big 12. But then there's Arkansas, who's a but, team of but, just all and duns, and yeah. they are in the Sweet 16. But I like why we have one and duns now. It's because we've raised the profile of the program, right? Anyway, any way you slice it. That is why. Well, does that mean we have to wait 14 years for another national championship like Kansas did? Is that what we have to do now? You were okay. You were good. Now you get one and done. <laughs> Sucks for you. You're going to lose for a while. I don't know. I don't know if that what that means. I don't know. 
Well, I mean, look, I, I would say if you are a high caliber of a program as Baylor, you can go after the number 80, 89, and 72 kid in America, take those three, keep them for three years, and win damn basketball games. Yes. Damn basketball games. And those kids would be so excited to play for you because they, they didn't really know if they were going to get that call. I, I just also, I think those roster spots are still going to be there for those guys. Not as many, and I think your argument is you is you want more of those guys versus more can of the one and dots, which I understand, which I understand. But I say if you bring in two of these one and done guys every year, there are still spots on your roster for that Mario Kegler transfer. Right, but the second these one and done guys aren't good anymore, the second they're Kendall Brown, they still have to play because they're the one and done guys that you put on the roster and gave them a roster spot. I, like I mean, a, I don't know. Do they? Kendall Brown wasn't playing terribly much down the stretch. He might have been in the starting lineup, but in name only. I mean, Jeremy Sohan didn't start a game for Baylor. Flo Thambas. Sorry, speaking of starting lineup in name only, that's a great, great way to put Flo Thambas final year at Baylor. Starter, man. Oh, my gosh. He started three years. I love that he would go out, put up a one-point, two-rebound performance, and then game over, graphic. Thank you, Flo Thamba. 150th game of Baylor basketball. Your 150th game, you had 1.2 rebounds. He's got some cool basketballs. I'll say that, man. He's got some great shoes. Think about the shoes that guy's gotten. The merch. Five years at this place. Um, you know what? It's it's an ongoing conversation. We didn't really reach a thesis, which I think is good. No, because- no. We've, we've just dribbled around. <laughs> which is I good. Because I, because honestly, I know I've uh, had some times on here where I've struggled to get a take. Um, sometimes not. I am struggling with this one in terms of being like a one and done school. I want those great players to come here. I right. do because they are great players. But I also understand your your part of the argument. And clearly, I mean, the teams we're seeing are like those twenty twenty one that 2021 Baylor team. We saw it with Jay Wright's Villanova teams. Um, UNC without Kobe White, you know? Yeah. Like we see this pretty often. Virginia, obviously. Kansas didn't Um, have a one and done and they won. Kansas didn't have that um, last year. Right. So Texas tech in 2019 goes to the championship. Michigan goes to a title. These are the teams that win in the tournament. Gonzaga. We haven't seen, we haven't seen that one and done team. I mean, even make like a serious Final Four run, I don't think, since that Duke team won it all in, in uh, 2015. Again, yeah, Chet, Chet's a great example of Gonzaga, who's not I mean, a I guess one Duke last year made the Final Four. So. Who's not a one-and-done program going out and being like, okay, we'll take, this one, we'll take the best player in America, and then they fall flat on their face. Yeah, I think they can find, hopefully they can find a medium of that 2021 Gonzaga. Went to the championship game, they had a one-and-done, uh, but they also had a couple of other old Good players, really good players, all Americans. So they're still alive in the tournament, by the way. Yeah, Today, well, they don't lose been. in the first. They don't lose in the first weekend. No, they never do. Good for them. It's always right here. Them and them in Arkansas. See you later. Uh, speaking of seeing you later, bye, Cam. I'm Drake Tolt from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. That's Cameron Stewart from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. Thank you for making Locked On Bears your first listen every single day. This has been always will be Locked On Baylor.